We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. Do you ever wonder if you're making an impact in this community? Do you ever wonder if you're making a difference in this world? You know, sometimes we have the idea that I'm just one. How in the world could I impact people for good? God has always had her Jonas. God can use one person to make a profound difference in this world. I think sometimes maybe we feel like our influence has been marginalized by the world around us. And really what we ought to do is try to raise the visibility of Christ in this community. We talk about magnifying the Lord in our lives, trying to live as Christ wants us to. I understand that there are a lot of people in our world today that aren't worried about their influence. They're not trying to make a difference. But those of us who belong to the family of God, I think we have to understand God wants us to make a profound difference in this community, in this world. And the only way that the light of God is going to shine in this community is if those of us who belong to the body of Christ are shining lights and using our influence for good. Many years ago, David said, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? There are so many things that we can do and that we ought to do to make a difference in this world. What I want to do is share with you three things that I think we ought to keep in the forefront of our mind as we live for the Lord. I want you to imagine for a moment ago, for a moment or two, that the Lord Jesus Christ paid a visit to our town. Let's just say that we had the opportunity to sit down with the Lord and in sitting down talking about His kingdom and His work, the Lord said, My work is in your hands. You have the keys, and so make it happen. If God gave you the keys and told you that you had the responsibility of changing the tenor of this community or this city, this state, or this nation? Would there be changes? Would people know something about the Lord through your life, by what you say, by how you live? So what are three things that we ought to consider in light of making a difference in this world? And I think we can make a difference. Number one, the word permeate. You remember Jesus said in what is often called the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said, you are the salt of the earth. God wants us to be salt, to exercise the influence that we have, whatever influence that might be, 
to exercise it for good in His name. Now you go back and you look at the disciples. Those men that were called by Jesus. It would be through the efforts of 12 disciples that the world would radically change her way of thinking. How did all that happen? The Lord Jesus was interested in people, interested in His disciples, but not just interested, but rather He invested in them. He did that by teaching, impressing upon them the importance of doing all that they could to maximize His cause. So Jesus would say to those early disciples, You are the salt of the earth. And so what the Lord is saying to those of us who live today, we are to be salty saints. Salt has a lot of qualities that have been useful to those of us that live in this world. To understand that salt is sometimes used as a preservative. I think you would agree with me that when we talk about where we are as a nation of people, clearly we are divided. And really in many respects we are divided right down the middle. And so the nation that we live in, the nation that we love, the nation that many people have paid the ultimate price for, this nation is moving in an unhealthy direction, has been for many years. So again, we ask the question, can I make a difference? The answer is yes. But it might be the case that we are the very preservative that keeps this nation intact for years to come. You remember in Genesis chapter 18 when God declared that He would destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin was very grievous. Their their outcry had come before Him. Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation, interceded on behalf of the people living on the plains. Abraham said, if, you can, if I can find 50 righteous people, God, would you spare the cities? And God said, yes. What about 45 people? Again, God said, yes. 40, yes, I'll spare the cities. 30, 20. God said, look, if I can find ten righteous people, I will spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sadly, ten righteous people could not be found. I want to believe that there are a lot of righteous people in this nation. Maybe not a lot, but there are righteous people holding to righteous principles that ought to set us apart from the world. And so to understand that we ought to permeate the community, the city, the state, the nation. We ought to be trying to the best of our ability to infiltrate the world in which we live and to make a difference. And the only way that we can do that is to understand that individually we have tremendous influence we've got to exercise that influence for good because when it's all said and done, we are God's eyes. 
We are God's ears. We're God's mouth, His hands, His feet. If His work's going to be done, it will be carried out by those of us who belong to the body of Christ. Do you believe that? Do you remember when Isaiah said he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up? The question was asked, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Are you willing to permeate this community and to make a difference? There's a second thing that comes to mind with regard to salt. Salt sometimes enhances the flavor of a meal, a dish. Makes things more palatable. Don't you think that if Christ is living in us, if we are living a distinctive, different life, there are a lot of people, they've tried the world, and in their heart of hearts, they know the world is not working for them. They're not satisfied. They're not happy. They're not where they want to be in life. They've been looking for this thing and that thing. They keep thinking, you know, something's going to fill this vacuum in my life. But nothing ever does. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Is it not the case that we ought to be trying to live in such a way so that we create a thirst, a hunger for God and the lives of people? For people to say to us, you know what, I want what you have. What do you think attracted people to Jesus? Do you think Jesus demonstrated a way of life that said, you know what, I've got something that you need. When Jesus met the woman at the well, that woman from Samaria, He asked her for a drink of water. Then He talked about living water. And this woman began to buy what the Lord was selling, and indeed she did buy what He was selling became a tremendous difference maker among her own people. So we ought to, to the best of our ability, make Christianity attractive to others. To so live that we adorn the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, so that people say, you know what, I want what you have. I want that inner peace that you have in your life, that sense of fulfillment. And then there's a third thing that I would share with you. And that is, we have to penetrate this community. You put salt on a dish, you put it on a food, a particular type of food, and that salt will penetrate the dish. Well, by the same token, the only way that we can make a difference in this community, in this world, we can't live on an island to ourselves. But rather, we've got to the best of our ability try to make a difference by penetrating in the schools, in the businesses, in the neighborhoods. We've got to demonstrate the attitude that was reflected in Acts chapter 17. You remember when Paul and Silas were in the city of Thessalonica? They were literally run out of town. The charge was made against them. These men that have turned the world upside down. It's our responsibility to turn this world upside down. With what? With the teaching of Christ. To try to make a difference in this world. So it begins by those of us who belong to the body of Christ permeating, getting out and talking to people, interacting with people, trying to develop friendships, trying to reach people and reason with people. 
to sell them the gospel of Christ, to say to them, look, we've got the greatest message known to man. Sadly, sometimes the church is not as visible as it should be or as it could be. Look, God has placed us in this community. We live here for a reason. We talk about the providence of God, but you think about you are in Olive Branch, Mississippi, the Mid-South area. And so what we got to do is invest in the work right here. We do a lot of great things outside this community. But look, those works that we support outside this community will not be supported if we're not what we ought to be here. If we're not growing and abounding in the work of God right here in this community. Evangelism begins in our own backyard. I think sometimes we forget that. There's a second thing. Number one, permeate. Number two, radiate. We have a responsibility as a light bearer in this world. Listen to what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. Did you know that individually you have a responsibility of being a light in a darkened world? Now, the world that we live in, it's said to be engulfed in spiritual darkness. Remember what Jesus said? He said, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. You remember John said in 1 John chapter 5, the whole world lies in darkness or under the sway of the wicked one. This world engulfed in spiritual darkness. And what Jesus is saying to each and every one of us, we have a responsibility of being a light in this community. Look, one preacher can't do it by himself. Two preachers can't do it. The elders can't do it. The deacons can't do it. It takes all of us, each and every one of us being a light in a darkened world. So we think about how we are to be lights in this world individually and then institutionally. Jesus talked about how we are a city set on a hill. What do people in this community know about Olive Branch Church of Christ? What do they know about the teaching of Christ? Do they know anything about New Testament Christianity? What is it that makes us different from other churches? I mean, people drive around the streets and they see a church here and a church there and a church here and a church there. What is it that makes a difference? Are we distinctive? Are we a set-apart people? Are we shining lights in this community? Do people see the church in Olive Branch as a light, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden? Now look, if Jesus handed us the keys to the work here, do we have individual responsibilities? Yes, we do. Collectively, institutionally, do we have responsibilities? Again, the answer would be yes. So the question is, are we doing our part? Are we what we ought to be? Are we making a difference? Here's what Paul said writing to the church at Ephesus. He said, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Now listen to him. Walk as children of light. We ought to be radiating the life of Christ in our daily life. 
The Apostle Paul talked about how he had been crucified with Christ. He said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You might be the only Christian, the only New Testament Christian that people see on a regular basis. Are you making a difference in their life? Do they know something about Christ and His church because of you? Now here's the danger. The danger is that we hide our light. Now Jesus said people don't take a light and put it under a bushel, but they set it on a lampstand so that it might give light. Let me tell you why quite possibly we're not radiating like we should. Because there is the danger of apathy. And I get it. Look, the world, sometimes you feel like you're losing the battle, don't you? When you look around in our nation and you think about how the nation that we live in is eroding so rapidly. So again, we become despondent, discouraged. We think that our efforts are marginalized, that we're really not making a difference, and so we just say, well, you know, what's the use? Let me tell you what, the church at Laodicea had that problem. And God, upon surveying that church, He said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but you're neither. You're lukewarm. He said, because you're not hot, you're not cold. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's a repulsive picture, isn't it? Well, why? Because they became apathetic, complacent, mediocrity. It's easy to just settle into a life of mediocrity. Students in school, sometimes students that have tremendous ability will settle for a B or a C because they don't want to make an effort to make the A. Just mediocrity. Complacent. Is it possible that in Christianity we become complacent? The work here Where will this work be in three years, five years, seven years, ten years, fifteen years? If God sat down with us and said, all right, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You are the difference makers. Now, here's what I want to know. In three years, where are you going to be? Tell me what you're going to be doing five years from now, seven years from now, ten years from now. What's your game plan? How are you going to accomplish the work of Christ? What would you say? Don't have a game plan. Don't know. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Well, let me ask you this. If we're not salt and light, and we just keep doing what we're doing, attrition will ultimately win. And in 20 years from now, there'll be just a few Christians possibly meeting here. Now, that's not maybe, that's a fact. I've seen it too many times. The devil wants to marginalize our influence for his cause. So if you just float in, float out on Sunday morning, maybe come back Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you're just kind of half in, half out, let me tell you what, you're not making a difference. You're not what you need to be. You're not where you ought to be. It's a 24-7 proposition. When we talk about Christianity, 
It is a lifestyle. It's not like putting on a coat and taking it off and then putting it back on and taking it off again. No, it's 24-7, day in, day out. It's how we're to live. So I want to ask you, are you salt and light? Are you doing what you can do to help the church in this community? To raise the level of visibility for Christ in this community? So number one, there is the danger of apathy. Number two, there is the danger of apprehension. Sometimes when we listen to what the world is saying, we become fearful, don't we? We're afraid. You know, if I say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I believe that His Word is the inspired Word of the living God, that might draw some fire. There are a whole lot of people in our nation. How they think is being shaped by the media. They fail to do their investigation. They fail to research the matter. They buy what they're selling. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. If you don't believe the media in this country is controlling the thoughts, the thinking of people in this day and time, if you don't believe that, you need to wake up because they are. Well, why do you bring that up? Here's why. The day the media turns on those of us who call ourselves Christians, the day they begin to say, you know what, we are a threat to democracy, we are a threat to this nation, you watch how quickly the world will turn on us. Now that's a fact. And don't tell me that's not the case because it is the case. The media in this country shaping the thinking of people. And when they turn on us as members of the body of Christ, we have yet to see anything unleashed like we will see. That's a fact. And we better wake up. The only way that we're going to change this nation, I can tell you right now, it will not happen in Washington, D.C. Not a chance. The only way that we can change the thinking in this nation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. Let me tell you what, there are some people that are controlling this nation. They need to remember one day they're going to stand at the foot of Almighty God. That includes every one of us. And God's going to ask us, why weren't you salt? Why weren't you light? Why were you not trying to make a difference in this world? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, Fear not him that's able to destroy the body, but afterwards not able to destroy the soul. But I can tell you who you need to fear. Fear him who's able to destroy both body and soul in hell in Gehenna. This nation has become increasingly intolerant of Christianity. The fact that we believe in God and that we want to serve God. But whenever that begins to run counter to their agenda, they will turn on us. They have already turned on us. And so if you want to save the freedoms that you enjoy in this country, you need to be salt and light. We've got to get back to just being New Testament Christians. 
the Roman world was an evil, ungodly empire. Persecution was rampant. The Caesars wanted to be addressed as Lord and God. And they wanted to impose upon people their thinking and their ways. And yet God's people in the long ago would not back down. They would not recant their faith. They, like Peter and John, said, we can't but speak the things that we've seen and heard. Let me tell you what, that's conviction, that's courage. And you need both if you're going to make a difference in this world. You better be convicted and you better be consecrated to Almighty God. And you need to have the courage to withstand what comes your way. Here's what Paul said, 2 Timothy chapter 3, All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You're going to live for God. You're going to face some tough times. Third thing, permeate, radiate, and authenticate. Now, what the Lord wants from us is authentic Christianity. I want to ask you a question. In terms of living for Christ, do you authenticate Christianity or do you fabricate Christianity? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20? I say to you, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, He said, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. What are you saying, Lord? Scribes and the Pharisees, it was all about putting on a dog and pony show. They wanted people to think, you know what, these are righteous folks. So they'd pray standing in the street corner so that they might be seen by men. They wanted people to think they were righteous. So in Matthew chapter 23, the Lord Jesus Christ had this to say. He said, they say and do not. That's the scribes and the Pharisees. They're hypocrites. They just play a part. He said, outwardly they appear righteous before men, but inwardly they are full of all uncleanness. Are you an authentic Christian? Do you give validity to the cause of Christ or do you just fabricate? You're playing a part. You know, put, put that church face on Sunday morning, come in, go back out, go back to my old ways. You know what the Lord wants from us is to live in such a way so that we give credence or validity to what it means to be a child of God. Here's what James said, pure religion, true religion, authentic religion. The Lord wants us to be authentic, to be real, to be genuine. Matter of fact, we talk about the fabric of faith. Go back and read about Timothy. You remember Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, when Paul talked about the genuine faith that dwelt First, in his grandmother Lois, then he said, in your mother Eunice, and then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. That's genuine faith. Now sometimes what happens is we have the faith of our mama and our daddy. Our faith is tied to their coattail. I understand that as we're growing up, our mom, our dad, they influence us, they help to shape and to mold how we think. But at some point in time, we have to stand on our own. It has to be our own authentic faith. What about you? How real, how genuine is your faith in Almighty God? Paul said on one occasion, we believe, therefore we speak. Is that you? And what's the focus of our faith? Wasn't it Jesus that said in Matthew 6 verse 33, seek first 
the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's authentic Christianity. Authentic Christianity is the Lord is first in my life. And my life revolves around Him on a daily basis. He is the hub of everything that I do. Every decision I make, it's because I'm a Christian. And I'm thinking about things from a spiritual mindset. Everything that I do, the motivating factor behind it is I'm trying to live a Christian life. I'm trying to go to heaven. I want to I live so that one day the Lord will own me and crown me in heaven. Can you make a difference in this world? Yes, you can. Whether you're young or old, you can make a difference. Somebody influenced you at some point in time in your life. You're here today because someone, somewhere, took the time to make a difference in your life. Might be your mom, might be your dad, might be a sibling, might be a son, a daughter, grandparent, whomever. God wants us to do as much as we can everywhere we go for His cause. To serve Him until death. Have you bought in? Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love